Welcome back to Financial Gain, the estate planning podcast. Uh, this is the show where we explore the biggest topics in financial planning for people throughout the UK. Uh, my name is Daryl Hine from Stellar Asset Management, and with me we've got Jonathan Gain, uh, the CEO of Stellar Asset Management. Morning, Jonathan. Hello, everyone. So today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about estate planning for blended families. And I think a good place to start is what on earth is a blended family? Um, John, have you got a view in terms of what a blended family is? Well, blended family is uh, one where partners are raising a combination of children from both existing and previous relationships. So we're talking about potential circumstances where um, you know one of the partners has got remarried or is now living with a new partner and they're dealing with the raising of either both their both of their children or indeed one of their one of their children. So blended family can mean Obviously, many things to, again, to many people like we discussed on the last episode. But blended families are are increasing in terms of their um, size and number uh, insofar as their, their, their prevalence amongst society. And within the financial planning world, that creates uh, circumstances which need to be considered, evaluated, and kind of involved a, a fresh approach in it's it, it's a relatively new thing uh it has certainly increased in the last 20 years or so so it's another consideration for those involved in financial planning to 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 consider and then when you overlay, overlay you know inheritance tax aspects into it you know there really is quite a quite a powerful combination of 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 thought processes that need to be ascertain and understood by all involved that sounds quite complex i mean in the last episode of financial gain we started to look at debunking some of the myths uh, around financial planning and what i think this does is brings another layer of complexity when you've got a blended family and we, we mentioned about the taboos of of financial planning last time and if you've got a blended family and the complexity of current partners, ex-partners, children of your own, children of your partners, your new partners. I mean, that just must bring a nightmare in terms of even starting to have some of those conversations. Is What what do you think it brings, you know, what new challenges does it bring to the table, the fact that you've got a blended family? Well, I think we come back to the to the things that we highlighted in the in, in the first episode, which is around starting starting this conversation because you know with more more family members needing to be involved in this conversation we're back to taking that first step and having that first conversation around what are my plans for my uh, future my family's future how do you engage so again it's back to the first challenge is to recognize that it needs to be talked about and start and starting that process but I think certainly we've seen, you know, as as a, as a country, the stigma associated with blended families has has massively changed in in you know in our working lifetimes. Put it that way. Um, and so, whereas once upon a time, you know, this was something that was kind of not even swept under the carpet, wasn't even there, and it was underground, and you know wasn't considered we've now got something which whilst not necessarily mainstream is on everybody's radar more people are aware of the changing dynamics of 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 relationships and 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 engagements so communication comes back to being the first starting point of 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 helping to improve and 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 break down the barriers of the of the perceived stigma particularly from those that are that are of an older generation and i guess you know starting that conversation is probably one of the most difficult things uh, around that if you if you're in a relationship where you've you've split up from your previous partner you've got some assets you've got children and then you enter into a new relationship 
where they've got children as well, you know, just before you even start to have the conversation, is trying to think about how do you want your assets distributed uh, in what is now evidently a, a slightly more complex situation. So, you know, one of the challenges around that is is working out what you actually want, let alone actually starting the conversation uh, with either your new partner, your your children, or uh, others. What what do you think is the best way to approach it? Is it to try and muddle through on your own to start off with and, and to think about what your options are? Or should you be talking to your financial advisor? Or are there other people you should be engaging in in the process of just trying to work out what, what options you've got and, and what is the best solution? Is there a one-size-fit-all from a solution point of view? Never. Mm-hmm. Never. I mean, you know, what we do know is that, you know, the conversations do start, um, particularly internal within the within the family dynamic. But what research has, has has proven to us is that that doesn't necessarily then translate into engagement with a financial professional. So there may be conversations going on, you know, at home within within the family, and it, it potentially it's falling into that too difficult box, um, and therefore the next steps of how to seek uh, further guidance, further information, further education in, in, in the options available is, is, not, is not being felt. So we've kind of, as a, as a financial profession, have got to help to not only educate, but as again we talked on on the first episode, you know, improve the trust and the relationships within the within the community to make it feel as if you know from a from an advice perspective these families have got somewhere that they can turn to where it's not going to be uh you know felt as if it's a taboo subject it's it's a welcoming you know and we certainly see plenty plenty of financial advisors that are you know expertly clued up in this sector and are offering services to to be able to come to accommodate that but it's just raising that overall bar so that so that all families across all are all dynamics are, are are capable and of engaging with somebody that they can trust and and get an expert opinion from. Absolutely, and of course, those financial advisors are sensitive to the uh, sensitivities of the situation. You know, if you're into a new relationship and and one of the early conversations you're having with your new partner is, how am I going to dish up my assets once I've gone? And whether that includes uh, whoever that might include in the process is is a very sensitive uh, conversation to have in there. There there is another element to this as well, which I think is is definitely having an impact on future planning, and that's the growing life expectancy um, for everybody across financial planning. I've read recently that the population aged over ninety uh, has increased in the UK by more than two and a half times in the past thirty years. So we've got some 600,000 people who are over 90 in 2020. That's a phenomenal increase. Um, certainly in my younger days, I think you thought that the, you know, growing to mid-70s is a, is a fine old age. And now we're looking at some considerable years beyond that. And even uh, there's a suggestion that we might have the first person to reach 150 uh, might have already been born uh, now. So, you know, with the increase of life expectancy and quite considerable at that rate as well, what what challenges does that bring to us in terms of financial planning? Well, I'm prepared to bet 10p that I'm not living to 150. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it, I think if you were to, to, to canvas, you know, the UK population... You know, it would be extremely surprising whether the vast majority knew any of those statistics and therefore it's another overlay, if you like, or another consideration that, you know, the financial advisors and financial planners of of, of, of the country are well aware of and well appraised. So it's another consideration in 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 this subject. So it's 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 quite daunting when you look at those numbers from a from a 
what am I going to do perspective insofar as, well, I thought I was going to retire at 60 and I'm building up a... I'm building up a fund that's going to see me see me through to my to my days. But as you say, we're all we're all living longer. So retiring, retiring in your 60s and having enough capital to now, you know, provide for you and your family for 20, 30, 30 years is 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 a staggering sum. You know, once upon a time, having a million built up in your you know your pension pot for your retirement pot. You know, was considered, you know, excellent. You know, a really healthy sum, but you know, a combination of uh, falling annuity rates and this longevity piece means that, you know, the amount that you need to live, live in post post working time is 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 phenomenal. So, you know, what does that mean? What does that change in the way that you think in terms of? your 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 earnings capacity your future your future plans um your priorities as you're working whether that's to to you know what it traditionally might have been to pay off the mortgage as fast as fast as possible that might be fine but if you're now all your capital's tied up in your house uh and you don't wish to move from your house you know you've got a valuable asset there and typically for for many many people the house is the is the significant asset, but it's now become an illiquid asset. And, and 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 what can you do with that? How do you get hold of capital to to support you through through those you know that longer period of of, of post working? And how does the family play in, play into that? And and yeah, it's it's a fascinating area. And as I say, it's it's one that I don't think you know many people in the in the country are aware of so raising awareness throughout the financial services communities is vital in terms of make, making that happen whether that's from us to financial advisors and other financial services providers in terms of making it clear that we're not necessarily sleepwalking into a disaster but we're certainly you know some of us have got our eyes half open to 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 the problems that are that are ahead so we come back to communication becoming a vital vital starting point absolutely and i think that the for those who are perhaps in their 50s uh, might be considering to retire by the time they get to 60 or mid 60s and with the prospects of having potentially 30 years ahead of them of retirement um, is a phenomenal time and particularly if you've built up a lifestyle which you've become accustomed to and the income to go with it you're not necessarily going to have the ability to maintain that lifestyle as it goes forward um, for, for all those years so it is such an important point and but bringing that awareness to younger generations is absolutely critical is that I know certainly many of the uh, 20 and 30 year olds that I come across aren't really attuned in to what they should be doing in retirement. They're not thinking that far ahead. And I'm sure they're certainly not thinking that they potentially could be looking at a retirement of 30 years or, or more even uh, in terms of which they have to build up a, a pot of money. So it is a very complex area. Uh, but there is an accumulation of wealth you know, across the generations. We said in the last podcast that the intergenerational wealth transfer, which is going to happen in coming years is is absolutely phenomenal so there is a there is a nest egg building in terms of that mostly you know, people have got money in in properties and are like um, but it is it is building and you know from a financial planning point of view there must be huge opportunity to perhaps take a fresh look at how financial planning occurs across the family as opposed to an individual pot and keeping it you know to themselves we, we said in the last podcast that that traditionally people have kept to themselves their own financial situation and we don't talk about how much we earn we don't talk about what our individual wealth is and even that happens you know in amongst families but if you started to uncover that and and actually started having those conversations across the family as to what the collective wealth is and what the long-term planning is going to be not just as a a one-stop shop but what does that look like on a continual basis accepting the fact that we're aging there must be a a huge opportunity so is is there a a solution to how that intergenerational wealth 
transfer should happen and and what will really facilitate that moving forward yeah i don't think there's a there's a universal panacea to to that particular question but you know to reinforce the the points that we've talked about uh recently is is education plays a massive part of that but we've now got to overlay that with the you know the specifics of the family family situation and what are the desires of 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 that particular family there's no there's no point you know kind of talking about wealth and and you know making it clear to the younger generation for example some some families feel concerned about you know showing showing like the hand of wealth to to the next generation in case you know they lose their focus in terms of their their working ethic um taking an extreme example so you know if 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 i thought i was going to inherit you know a substantial sum of money on the passing of my parents would i would i be as driven as i was if i was inheriting nothing for example you know so there's there's personal um considerations that you can't you know legitimately plan for and legitimately uh you know consider going to work out in the way that you 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 think you there are so you know you've got there isn't a universal answer so it's about that engagement piece and that conversation piece and that and, and that planning piece and you get to you really do start to uncover some quite interesting and difficult observations and you just then start to think about long-term long-term care and what does that mean and and the the first of all from a from a bigger picture perspective you know the pressure on the pressure on our national health service it's obviously extremely acute given given the last couple of years and and now with the the, the strikes that are ongoing you know there's huge amounts of um, difficulty delay recruitment resourcing you know huge issues within the within the public health care system and you know with an aging population you know that is only going to get worse and you know the need for the need for care you know so what what is what is the direction of travel we can't keep as a as a nation keep throwing blank checks at, at the nhs in the hope that that's going to that's going to make it work we need a coherent plan that you know in effect all parties all political parties are going to have to sign up to in some way shape or form to to think about what is the long-term plan for the nhs but in the meantime you know with an aging population there is care that's going that's going to be needed um and you know, we sadly know as well that you know we are um through through lots of different reasons you know the increase in 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 cancer diagnosis within within the world is is increasing at an alarming rate and you know increases of uh, in in things like dementia are increasing massively as well so there's going to be enormous pressures on on this aging population um as as we move forward and then you've got this overlay for the families of what are going to be the wishes and the considerations for those types of situations are you know do they need to be in a home do they want to be in a home do they and whose home is that is that a care home is that is that you know the 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 granny annex within the existing property how is that going to work are are some of these family members going to become full-time carers because they potentially might not get the support from 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 the nhs to care for their to care for the family as they get older all of these considerations i think need to be on the kind of um i might call it the you know the what if situation that kind of um, situation planning that you know financial advisors and financial planners do so well is is tease out these kind of debates and these conversations as to well that's all fine in terms of decision a but have you thought about the ramifications of a b c d or e and working through those um, will be i think for an awful lot of families quite enlightening and quite challenging as a as a process so you know no there's not one answer but there's we come back to get it get discussing the subject get engagement with the subject get talking to somebody with the appropriate skills and qualifications that can that can help educate you and make you more alive to the issues and get you start thinking about it uh much much sooner gosh that sounds complicated 
one thing which struck me as we as we talked there is is about the constant change uh, and and the unknown. You know, we we talk about financial planning and sitting down, having a conversation, working out what you want for the future and what's the best thing to do, which is absolutely true. But on the other hand, we've got a situation which is potentially just continually changing with a lot of unknowns, is that we don't know what our life expectancy is, we don't know what our health is going to be, um, you, you don't know what care you're going to need as you go into the future, uh, we don't know what's happening in terms of our family unit, whether we are consistent with our partner and their children or whether we, we go into a blended family. Um, there are a lot of unknowns and that feels like a bit of a minefield in terms of how do you how do you plan for the future in terms of sitting down, working out what your financial planning is, your estate planning is, but also keeping in mind the flexibility that you're actually going to need because you don't know what the future brings. Is is there is there an answer on that or is it is it just keep your finger on the pulse yeah i think it's i think it's be be aware and when you start to think about that longevity piece um you start to think about the fact that you know there are going to be more and more generations of a family you know alive alive for longer so you're now talking about not just you know grandparents with with grandchildren you're you're talking about adding adding a generation at the top end or the bottom end to that to that dynamic so you know there are now multiple layers to the to, to this conversation and as we talked about on the on the first episode um the complexity and the taboo of starting that that conversation was difficult enough now you know we continue to overlay more complexity to it because these are considerations that are that that are live today. They are totally expected, totally forecastable, totally foreseeable, and therefore, as ever, with all financial planning, they're capable of having something prepared and 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 considered and and, and planned for. So it's a it's a massive thing. It's a massive thing. Um, and and with the with the blended family situation, you know, this this isn't necessarily going to make it any any easier or any any lighter what again we know from from evidence is that you know those families that that do end up in in a divorce situation which um you know it's we are told today that four out of uh, every 10 marriages today are going to end in divorce inside inside 20 years and that's quite a substantial number um, and approximately, again, based on the information that we found, is that you know half of those couples are going to get married again. So, further complexity into this in, in into this into this narrative as well. So, can you can you create a uh, a flexible financial solution to manage your estate going forward? I mean, what, one of the things we talked on the last podcast was about trusts. Um, uh, but trusts, for me, feel quite a static kind of a solution uh, and, and perhaps not that flexible. Whereas what the situation is now, I think, is that you, you need that flexibility, but you, you also need the confidence that you're building a solution for the future. So is, are there solutions out there which are flexible in terms of still being able to access cash use it if you need to but is building your um your pot for the future but also being mindful of you know protecting against things like inheritance tax etc so you know what 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 options are there for the individuals i do think there's plenty of options uh for families available today um and you've got to you know as a as a financial advisor, financial planner, work with the work with the families to ascertain their their, their desires and motivations. As you say, I mean, trusts are you know um, losing um, uh, popularity, if you like, in terms of the numbers that are being set up year on year are reducing uh, largely because uh, of 
the you know the time it takes to to set one up and also the the tax release if you like that are that are available have diminished so they've become less and less attractive over the years um alternative solutions are are available and certainly we've seen an increase in in you know family trading companies family uh family companies that can be set up to deal with the circumstances which we foresee happening which is you know putting things into into trust and to and in giving gifts are are all well and good but if we're aware that the family dynamic is going to change or likely to change or has the capacity to change in the future um you know there are considerations there if you are going to make a you know a large gift to either one of your children one of your grandchildren for say for say buying a house you know how do you now ensure that if if you know the the daughter who you've given it to you know is is buying the house with with new husband um how do you what are you going to do how does that work if there is to be a divorce and that money is then shared out is that what that you know that family thought was their ideal ideal outcome insofar as gift to daughter is now has the capacity to be eventually shared with a you know the possibility of a divorced husband you know f- further down the line so there's kind of practical considerations like that 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 need to be can need to be considered so it doesn't help therefore that you could see more families holding on to capital as opposed to distributing the capital during their lifetime because they would you know default to the easiest solution of well I've got it so therefore I can do something with it and where where capital flowing down the generations because of the uncertainty or the perceived uncertainty um, means that they're unwilling to make those decisions at that time. So, you know, we see again, you know, that coming that coming to life and the expectation of that coming to life through the statistics that we've seen, and that's overlaid then again with with inheritance tax continuing even by government's own standards to continue to increase year on year on year. So, the wealth may cascade, but it may be coming cascading post-tax because collectively and universally, uh, I don't mean universally, but I mean holistically, um, there's inaction, there's there's inertia because there's 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 worry of future complexity and future changes in family dynamics means that you know, as I say, it's not a individual thing, but universally, you just say I'm holding on to it because the future is too uncertain whereas actually come back full circle is there needs to be better awareness of, of, of the options available and there's plenty of options that you, that you can deal with that afford control for those those family members that are wanting to leave a legacy that can deal with that uncertainty so getting that engagement with the financial advisors and setting out what are your primary concerns and and communicating what your future worries are for the family dynamic you know if you can do that then there are solutions that can that can cope manage and perfectly deal with those 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 matters at hand one of the things you mentioned there was a a family trading company which sounds interesting in terms of what exactly does that mean is that all members of the, the family can can chip in and put money into that company and it's good for the future or or is it is it there for good or is it can shares go up and down how does a family trading company work for protecting uh, assets well at a very at a very simple level what you're what you're doing is you're creating a vehicle that that um you know has has shares in it so a company can issue shares to to any shareholder it it so wishes so at a simple level you're looking at mother and father setting up a company putting some capital and capital into it and you know it can either be you know a family investment company those are common words that have increased in parlance and prevalence in 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 recent years and that can be used for example to to hold property 
whether that's uh, you know buy to let property or investment property in some way, shape or form, uh, and you can use that company to make you know other investments as well. So there's you know there's arbitrage there if you like insofar as the tax rates uh, for a company relative to the tax rates for you holding that investment individually. So you're typically switching income tax liabilities for corporation tax liabilities and, and in lots of cases there's there's benefits in, in, in doing that at a very high level. And then if you're looking to say overlay that with inheritance tax considerations, what we know is that, you know, an investment activity isn't a qualifying activity for relieving the estate from 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 inheritance tax. So you don't really want to be setting up a setting up a company to leave investment property in it you know that is not going to mitigate the estate so you're looking at uh, deploying that capital into into things that will qualify for inheritance tax mitigation and that's typically you know any any trading activity uh, trading activity being you know doing something that creates economic economic value whether you know that's that's owning a hotel or developing houses whatever it may be there's plenty of scope and opportunity there so you can then start to take that simplistic approach with that company and then start to think about the fact that you've got as as the parents you've got control of that company you're in the shares in that company um, you're going to leave that company in the will to to other family members and those family members may look to to continue that company or to uh, wind it up and realise the capital, but then you, as I say, you deal into the delve into the subtleties, and you can now start to um, add further share classes into that company to to provide for specifically for future generations, so that you can have one company with multiple share classes, some which pay income, some which have a right to capital, and you can start to then leave um, those shares to different family members uh, within within your will. So yeah, there's plenty of plenty of flexibility there in terms of how how companies can help with 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 part of that planning process. And I think the the biggest benefit that that type of planning affords is that it's got the flexibility to be able to change as the as the, the uncertainties of of our lives unfold, um, you know, during during our later years, so it can cater with with changing family dynamics because you've you know the the people with the capital, the family members with the capital, have still got control of that capital, um, and you know, based on that we example earlier of of you know parents leaving money to daughter. You, you can you can plan for that and deal with the what if situation of should they unluck unfortunately get divorced you can you can deal with that with that with that company structure so yes long-winded answer Daryl there are opportunities there are uh, plans that one that one can do that are available today and there are and there are many others and there are many others it, but it's weighing up and deciding what are you most worried about from a future proofing perspective is it control is it flexibility? Um, is it the erosion of the money? What is it? Is it your health? There are plenty of considerations. So determining what those are and talking those through with a with a financial expert will will massively help um, shape future decision making. Absolutely, and as we said lots of times in in the last podcast, is talking about it is the most important thing. Is starting that communication process within the family and talking to a professional who can help you navigate through that minefield of what to do with uh, your assets in terms of now and in the future. But flexibility comes through a lot here in terms of those change of circumstances. We've already talked about blended families and the impact that has on, on children. Of course, the nature of families is changing significantly as well. Um, is that in 2021 there was 19.3 families in the UK which was actually increased by six and a half percent over the previous decade Um, so you know families are increasing in terms of numbers but the complexity of those families are most definitely changing with blended families we've mentioned same-sex marriages same-sex relationships 
uh, and and no doubt many other sort of like types of families in there. Do you think those different situations um, bring around some complexities around either having a will or not having a will? Is is that if people plan however they want to in terms of where they're saving their their hard-earned cash but if the will isn't right and relevant then could that leave them in some trouble i believe so yeah (laughs) i know you're not necessarily a will expert um but i'll test your knowledge here john i'll test it to see what 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 you do and uh and how we can explore this topic so yeah no it's it 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 is undoubtedly a another matter where that you can't automatically think that your your will that you did at one point in your life remains valid throughout the changing circumstances of of your life whether that's through you know ending relationships new relationships or whatever dynamic that chain that takes you know you've got to make sure that your future wishes are known documented and and understood so it is another consideration that that as you say with with increasing numbers of families good thing um but their dynamics are are changing so it's another thing which could be which could be you know overlooked and i think again we come back to the fact that we do see it being being overlooked because there's a a reduction in engagement with with financial advisors as a result of the increase in families you know we know from the evidence that there is less engagement if you like from a family with with a financial advisor and i think it's 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 difficult in today's computer age in today's internet age with the advent of 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 online wealth management propositions i think it's personally truly difficult to get that solution that's going to fit everybody just by doing it over the internet i think that is something that could be done in certain circumstances but i think where you start talking about the kind of subjects that we've covered so far today is that you know engagement you you kind of go online where you know the direction of travel you've done your research you know what you want to do but i think the the concern that i would have speaking as a you know a member of a family is that you know you you don't know everything so right. how do who helps you tease out the the what if situations that that you're that you're aware of yes it can be executed online but it can't tease out the whys and what's and maybes in the future proofing that that can be that can be considered so you can deal with stuff immediately and 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 the internet and all the, all the new innovations coming forward can deal with that here and now but does it deal with does it deal with the considerations that 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 we we haven't thought of nobody knows the future nobody knows what can happen but are you are you future proofed and i'm not certain you can get that uh online um so reversing this trend of families engagement with financial professionals has to change and therefore what's the opportunity ahead of us of people involved in the financial services industry whether from a from a um, product creation on a, or a service management perspective through to through to helping uh, those at the cutting edge and talking to families so you know financial advisors financial planners you know there's huge opportunity how do we re-engage and and, and make sure that that um, plans and legacy that people wish to leave are are robust and capable of surviving the generations and the family dynamics it's a huge ask and i don't think you can do it without face-to-face engagement and and and, and plenty of activity i think the um as we said already the constant change in in the situation evolution of what the options are and trying to understand what does it mean for me and my family is is quite immense and if you do try and self-serve and i i'm typically a, a self-server i like to go on research and find my own solutions is that you, you're just not going to know all the complexities and you're not going to take into consideration all the things that you really should do you know like we're saying at the moment in terms of extending 
increased life expectancy, uh, changing in family situations, second guessing if I leave all my hard-earned cash to my three children, they're married, and then if they get divorced, does that money go to their ex-partners? I mean, it is just full of complexities, whereas if you've got a professional there who can really try and drive that down uh, in terms of what is the most practical, effective thing for you to do, um, it's worthwhile seeking that advice, that is. Um, in the last podcast, we did a quick fire round of a few questions. And I've got a few questions lined up here. So if you're ready for this, John, is uh, let's have a few quick fire questions around this whole topic of blended blended families and, of course, extended families and uh, increasing life expectancy. So here we go. Question number one. If a client wants to give different assets to different children, how can this be done? Um, quite simply, I mean, there are there are a few ways in in, in which that can be done. You, know, you can do it through you can do it through a specific gift. Uh, one of the ways that we see as a financial services uh, provider is if you're looking to mitigate inheritance tax key way an easy way simple way is to set up different trading companies for each family member something that we see week in week out so um, if you have say um, 300,000 pounds to shelter from inheritance tax and you have like you Daryl three children um, then you could set up three companies with 100,000 pounds each and have an identical investment uh, mandate and therefore the will can be changed to leave each company to each uh, child and that will cut through that situation uh, quite quickly other brilliant. considerations but that's a starter for 10 brilliant that sounds straightforward and you know all these things are about trying to make things as painful and straightforward after your death for everybody else to execute on as well so thank you for that earlier on you were saying that face-to-face conversations are by far the best uh, in terms of financial planning it's complex it's sensitive etc we live in a world where family members can be spread not just throughout the country could actually be throughout the world and it can become very difficult in terms of getting us all together so what's the best way for those families which have extended geographically um, to carry out estate planning well, if we can't all, you know, retire now and get on a plane and go and have a jamboree and spend all that hard cash out to Mongolia, then um, yeah, face to face, as you say, it does become difficult. But clearly, you know, the last three years has shown that the that virtual meetings and the technology now that's available to to host um, in person or what appears to be in person um, conversations across across the seas is is as easy as, as it once was picking up the phone and, 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 and ringing home, as it were. So, you know, all the gadgets now, whether they're, whether they're Facebook screens or, you know, laptops or iPads or whatever it is, there's plenty of ways of, 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 of having face-to-face family discussions and people, families across the world have adapted to that because we've had to really, really well do, during the pandemic and therefore there's an easy opportunity to to carry that forward so technology plays a massive part in in keeping that communication alive keeping those meetings as efficient as effective as possible as we know just from a from a working perspective seeing people you know whilst you can't necessarily um see body language perfectly and engagement what you get through through people's reactions through 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 eye contact through through uh through that visible uh, through those visible means is 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 really really important. So you get a sense of uh, a better sense of engagement and a better sense of of um, you know consensus as as you talk through these 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 matters. So technology plays a massive part, and I think we've all adapted to that uh, really really well across all the generations. So it's no longer this we can't do it. We've got technology as enabler. We've had to get on and deal with it during the pandemic. So technology is 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 here to stay. Make use of it. And it is an effective tool as for those that conversations that we know need to happen or if they are happening that need to continue to happen because of the changing circumstances. I, I, I totally agree. I think if I'd asked you that question three years ago, pre-pandemic, is that 
it probably would have been different in terms of people's acceptance of using technology. Pandemic uh, forced us to adopt technology and all generations adopted technology as well in terms of using video calls. So I think it has got its place in terms of getting people together and having that conversation. You're never going to change the fact that getting physically around the table has many advantages, but you make the best of what you can with the technology that we've got and there's plenty of choices out there. So um, absolutely, more importantly, is is getting the job done as opposed to putting it off until you are all together. So it's, it's got its place. Yeah. Um, if I was married with children and had a will in place, got divorced and then remarried, would my will still be valid? Good question, to which I am not qualified to expertly answer. So for the, for the world out there listening, this is, this is my view and needs to be, you know, please refer yourself to somebody more expert in these matters than me. But certainly, you know, sitting on the fence, the answer is it's complicated. You need advice. I don't believe it is because there are considerations once once you remarry. So, you know. Do not assume that, as I said, as we talked about before, what what was there and done once upon a time, if there's been a change in that family circumstance in whatever way, shape or form, that is the time to then revisit your will and start thinking about the implications of that. And if you don't know what to do, get advice. I think that's very sensible. Is uh, It's not a question of, your will's written, you can forget about it, and that's it. If there are changes, then, you, or if you want to make changes, then you need to go and revisit that solution. Which means my next question, you might have a similar answer, which is, you know, how do the intestacy rules work for blended families? Does it make a difference if it's a blended family, or indeed any other form of a family in terms of its same sex, sex or whatever it might be? Do the rules change? Yes, I am going to start by saying, yeah. by saying the same thing. It's an incredibly, incredibly complex area. But you know, in intestate basically means that you know if you've made no plans uh, during your lifetime and you've got capital uh, uh, on your death, is that there is a laid down set of guidelines and procedures that will be followed, um, and that's clearly available in evidence to anybody you know here now today so in the absence of doing anything else saying anything else writing a letter of wishes drawing up a will then that is the consequence of of not doing anything is seeing you know that capital um potentially ending up in in in, in the hands of the estate in the hands of the, the state rather um at, at an extreme example so we come back to talking about and therefore documenting what what you would what you would like to happen and if there is a change in the family dynamic writing it again considering it again and thinking about your letter of wishes and ultimately your will with ever with ever changing uh, circumstance it's not a static document it should be viewed as a live document that you know any financial advisor planner will will engage with you and you know on on, on annual check-ins we'll always talk about that that type of subject has been any changes or anything we need to consider um and therefore making sure that that your desires and your aspirations are as you want them to be um acknowledging that they will change in the future so be alive to that be sensitive to it and get something get something documented um you know today's not the day for for advocating you know the use of make your own wills or anything else like that you know if you've got assets if the family has assets more than six hundred and fifty thousand pounds or three hundred twenty five thousand pounds per individual uh, or is likely to given inheritance from from earlier generations advice is needed and a, and a do-it-yourself approach can be done but won't cover all eventualities and won't make you aware of the the complexity that I think we all know but don't necessarily all acknowledge is that life is complicated and it's going to change so doing it once and forgetting about it 
may have been an old school mentality of yesteryear it's not the mentality you need to have going forward completely agree and i think that the the, the points we've raised before saying this is a difficult topic it is a taboo topic in terms of talking about your death and what's going to happen after that is that it's now overlaid with complexity the complexities we've discussed today the constant change in situation the unknown for the future is that it just it just drives us towards the fact that it needs to be a conversation it needs professional help um, in order to lay out what you need for the future and and also keep the topic alive is that once you've done it once doesn't mean you can tick the box and put it away and forget all about it 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 feels like it has to be continually reviewed um, and perhaps continually reviewed in collaboration with your immediate and wider family you know those people who are affected by it to have those conversations now is is probably a better solution than than doing nothing at all uh, in there i mean we've mentioned already there's a wide range of options out there whether it be trusts or trading companies or any other option in there is that uh, if you was to wrap up and say what is the best solution what would you say I'm slightly biased, aren't I? But um, <laughs> um, look, it's not about it's not about it, it necessarily it being the best. It being the right solution for uh, the family situation. So you know, nothing is ever is ever perfect. It's making making the decisions that are going to be at that time in the best you know long term interests of the of the goals that the that the family have set for themselves and the and the goals and aspirations they have for the future so it's for me not necessarily about best it's about optimum um taking into account the the considerations that exist within the family today and hoping to future proof it as well but what you've got by talking to you know financial advisors is that you're going to be more aware of and and, and provoked into thought as to the options that are available to you and give you fresh insight and fresh uh, considerations that may have been not there previously. So it's optimal, is my answer, not not best. We know we're the best, but, um, you know, we recognise that every family has its own needs and its own desires and its own motivations, and we're just part of the team that helps put those plans into place um, to the to, to to enable the family to meet its goals and uh, objectives. Thank you very much, that John. I I think that's absolutely right. And I think the the other final point on that is is do something, think about it, talk to a professional, put plans in place is a far better solution than just putting it off for another day, another week, another year. Agreed. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for today, Jonathan. I hope you've enjoyed the chat as much as I have. It's been another good session. Thank you, Daryl. That's all right. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Is What we would ask you to do is to go and rate and review uh, our podcast. It's the second one that we've done. So I hope you've enjoyed it too. Is that If you go and follow us on your podcast app, uh, we'll also include an email address uh, at the end of this uh, episode so that you can give us feedbacks and request any topics you'd like to cover in the future. So thanks very much for listening, everybody.